Join me, Charlie Teal, on the call to create today as I have a front porch conversation with John Paul Crimi, a leader in therapeutic breathwork. My first name is, you know, French, John Paul. Yeah, they think I'm French. I'm actually Irish, Scottish. Uh, and Italian, which means I like to drink a lot, I don't want to pay for it, and then I want to start a fight. (laughs) That's how that breaks down. All right, (laughs) so we're already rolling, we're underway. All right, so we'll just kind of keep talking then, because it seems that we've already sort of begun begun with the introduction. So, Scotch, Irish, Italian. Italian. Yep. That's quite the, that's a, that's a lively combination. Like. It is. I mean, it's actually pretty common where I grew up. I grew up on the South Shore of Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. So um, my town in Boston is the fifth most Irish town in America, surrounded by the 13 most Irish towns in America. It's called the Irish Riviera is the nickname okay. for it. So it's just south of Boston. So like South Boston, where you see Goodwill Hunting and all these kind of movies about Southie, a lot of people from Southie move to the South Shore on okay. the water. It's much nicer nicer area for a better life for their families. So it was a nice neighborhood, but with a city mentality. So it was really weird. You'd have beautiful houses and a nice neighborhood, but people would steal your bike. (laughs) (laughs) I always say in Boston where I grew up, like when you shake someone's hand, you have to check to make sure all your fingers are still there. (laughs) So that was kind of the way I grew up with people, you know, like to fight and like to drink and like to steal. in a suburban neighborhood. It's a little weird. So, yeah, that's where I come from. And um, it was weird. I mean, I I grew up, my father's an artist. He's a painter. Okay. So I felt really different. Like all my friends' fathers were in the construction trades. And my father is a painter and he owned hair salons. So Um, when you say painter as an art, like as an artist. Yeah, as a fine art. Yeah, not a house painter. Okay. Uh, which I've done, like I've done it right. all. My brother is a mason, you know, stone custom stone mason. So I've done that. It's an incredibly skilled craft, by the way. It is. <laughs> I uh, I worked for those guys for a while, and I remember them firing bricks down at me from like five stages up, <laughs> five four or five stories up, because I made the mortar too soupy, you know. And they were like, "Those are the toughest guys I've right. ever worked with." You know, right. that job was the hardest, one of the hardest jobs I've ever done. Literally stacking <clears> just. <throat> 20 bricks under one arm and 10 under the other and carrying it to the staging and cinder blocks and mixing mortar all day and shoveling. I mean, it was physically (coughs) intense labor. And I've worked kitchen jobs. And my first job was a a dishwasher at El Torito's, a Mexican restaurant. And I was 12. I lied and said I was 14 on my work permit. Right. And and I was, you know, working till one in the morning, washing dishes uh, some nights. And I went out to the bar to get a Coke, and the bartender thought it would be funny, and he put Jack Daniels in my Coke. So it actually made the washing dishes a little easier. But, <laughs> but I was drinking on my first job at 12 years at old. At 12 years old. Yeah. So quite the introduction to, like, yeah. adult life there. Yeah, it's a no you know, mystery how I became an alcoholic. <laughs> so Right, so that, I mean, we've talked about some of this. We've touched on some of this before we started rolling, so your history, then you you consider yourself to be an alcoholic. Or well, I'm in recovery. Or, so I'm in recovery from right. alcohol and drugs and all that. I've been sober 20 years now. Okay. So 
Um, and and it's what they call long-term recovery, and it's been the best thing I've ever done. I mean, I was sharing a little bit earlier, I have alopecia, right? So I have sudden okay. hair loss. I lost, first it was like patches in my body, and then it totally went. And I the doctor had me on all kinds of medication to try and keep it because I was an actor and a model at the time. Okay. And he had me on prednisone, which is a catabolic steroid, right? Instead right. of making you buff, it makes you fat. It breaks down muscle tissue. Um, and they were giving me cortisone shots in my eyebrows and my head, which was really painful. And I was a trainer at Gold's Gym in Venice. Okay. So I was like this fat, bloated trainer at Gold's Gym, <laughs> the mecca of bodybuilding right. in Venice, California. <laughs> And it was, it was hard. I was going through a really hard time and I would go get these shots, like, you know, sometimes 100 to 200 shots of cortisone. Oh, yeah, it was damn. really painful. So I would take a couple of Vicodin before I would go and then I just started eating it all the time Jeez. because I couldn't deal with what was happening to me at the time. I had no, I had no skill set, right? Right. All my self-esteem and self-worth was wrapped up in how I looked. And if your self-esteem and your self-worth is wrapped up in your job or your relationship or your looks or whatever it is and that's stripped away from you you know it, it, it drives you to a bottom which it did with me you right. know some people commit suicide some people go to drugs and alcohol some people go to food whatever I went to you know I amped up my drug and alcohol usage so I was taking a lot of Vicodin I was drinking a lot and I went to a therapist and she suggested that I get help and you know I didn't think I had a problem, as most people don't, because right. I had a job, you know, right. because I had uh, a second job. I had a job and a business on the side, and I was, you know, doing all this stuff. And so, you know, I'm not an alcoholic. Alcoholics are on the street. Yeah. Right? Right. So that's the misconception. You know, I, I've learned a lot since then. I've worked with a lot of people. I've helped a lot of people. There are a lot of successful people who are alcoholics. Right. Driven, successful people, right? Um so yeah, so I got sober in um, March fifth, two thousand, and it was a it was a life changing event for me. And I asked for help, and some guys helped me, and uh, and I let go of my hair. I let go. I, I decided to go off the prednisone, stop getting the cortisone shots, and the doctor was like, "You're gonna lose all your hair." And I'm like, "Well, if that's what's supposed to be, that's what's gonna be." <clears> right? right. I'm lucky I got a good shaped head. Right. Anyway, <laughs> it's so not like, all lumpy. And <laughs> so I let go of that stuff, and. Um, I got sober and I really took the time, a good solid year to focus on myself and to work on myself. Mm -hmm. And that was, it was tremendous. You know, the, and, and then I discovered that helping other people was the real key to helping myself. Right. Right. Like getting out of myself, the key to getting out of myself was to help others. Right. The Buddhists have a saying that there are two types of people, the smart, selfish person and the dumb, selfish person. And, you know, the dumb, selfish person, when they feel when they're feeling bad, when they're feeling depressed or lonely, they just sit there and feel sorry for themselves. Mm -hmm. And the smart, selfish person, you know, goes and helps somebody else less fortunate. Right. So we're all okay. selfish, really. Like, it's just like, what yeah. are you going to do with it? Right. And so I have to help other people. I'm the best version of me when I'm helping someone else. So I got dragged into this business sort of, uh, I had a year sober, I was a celebrity trainer, celebrity okay. personal trainer, and one of my clients was like, oh, I think you should help this guy, you know, and go on the road with him, and he got me on this job, you know, I didn't know it at the time, he was marketing me as a sober coach and a, and a trainer, 
right? <clears throat> so he stuck me with some, you know, rock star on the road, and I went on the road with this guy and worked him out and helped him stay sober. And you were supposed to help him stay sober. Yeah, which is an impossible task. You know, <laughs> you can't, you can't make anyone be sober. You can help people. You can right. steer them in the right direction. I like to say it's kind of like a lighthouse, just shining the light on the rocks. Right. Right. Like right. I, it, but I used to get on the ship and be like, no, no, Captain Ahab. You know, like look out for the rocks. You know. <laughs> now I'm just like, there's some rocks over there. Right. I wouldn't recommend you go that way. Yeah. But getting on the ship was quite a ride. And right. I did that for a lot of years. And I have a business now where I send people out to help people. Um, and and it, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. You know, it depends on the person. You have to want change. Yeah. You can't change if you don't want to change. Yeah. You know, that's the first thing. You know, you have to admit there's a problem and ask for help. I really, you know... If you can't ask for help, if you can't, you know, admit there's a problem, you're not going to change. And so oftentimes other people want it for people more than they want it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I've been guilty of that, trying to help people and wanting it for them more than they want it for themselves. And uh, it just doesn't work. Yeah. 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 I mean, it boils down to, right, we are all... We are only in control of our own choices and our own decisions and our own feelings and stuff. You can't, you can't make someone else feel or want something, and they you can't expect them to do it for you either. It has to be, it has to be your your choice and your your you have to move in that direction. Yeah, I mean, my friend uh, Tommy said this morning. I, he said. It either comes from inspiration or desperation, and more yeah. often desperation than inspiration, <clears throat> right? Um, so it's, it takes a lot for a grown man or a grown woman or, you know, to, to admit that they don't know how to run their life. Like, I've made a mess of myself in my life. Right. Um, I need help, right? Like, so that takes a lot of conflict usually, whether it's external conflict losing your job, losing your relationship, getting arrested, whatever, or internal conflict. You know, I've worked with a lot of people who are super successful and they can still work. They're still going to make movies. They're still going to make albums. They're still going to be people who want to be with them. They have tons of money. And so it has to be an internal conflict. It's never going to be external for them. And so it has to be that bottom where they look in the mirror and they go, I don't want to live like this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to wake up and like hate myself. And some of them get there and some of them don't, you know. And so I feel like, you know, one of my jobs is to be there when they're ready, you know. And if somebody reaches out to me for help, I'm there. Um, but they have to reach out for help. Right. And all that, all of that was before the breathwork thing, right? Yeah. So what you're known for now, primarily at least, or at least most publicly, I yeah. guess, is as a breathwork Coach, trainer, yeah, what, what teacher, is the, all of it. I, yeah, I don't know what to, to label it as because right. I, you know, I teach people how to teach breath work. Right. So I'm a breath work teacher trainer, right? So yeah. I, I do breath work teacher trainings and I teach people how to teach it. And then I do the classes myself as well. Um, I, you know, right now because of the situation, I'm doing a class online on Sunday mornings, which is great. Um, and I have teacher <clears throat> trainings online that I've made. But Usually, I do teacher trainings in person in Los Angeles, right? Um, so, 
that is a crazy story. I was uh, I was hanging out with Matthew Perry from Friends, mm-hmm. and we were traveling around watching the Kings in 2012, and they just happened to go on this incredible run that year and win the Stanley Cup. And we were okay. at the Stanley Cup playoff game, and we're in this little VIP room underneath the Staples Center, and this every celebrity in Los Angeles is in there, right? I mean, Will Ferrell and Vince Vaughn and Zac Efron and everybody who loves hockey, and in walks Tony Robbins. And I go, holy shit, it's Tony Robbins. And Matthew <laughs> goes, like, I mean, he's crazy tall, right? Yeah, he's, he's a like, giant, right? And so, so when Tony Robbins walks into a room, you're like... A small room, right? <laughs> and so I go, oh my God, it's Tony Robbins. And Matthew goes, the Kings are about to win the cup. We've been following the whole season. Every celebrity in Los Angeles is in here. You're excited about a gigantic man right now, right? And I'm like, he's amazing. He's helped all these people. And he's like, well, go tell him. You love right. him. I'm like, yeah, listen, yeah. everybody comes up and bugs you. I don't want to be yeah. that guy to him. And I've worked with a ton of celebrities. I didn't want to be that guy. Yeah. So I said no, and I'm walking back <clears throat> through the tunnel, and I think Tony knew intuitively. He was on his phone, and he looked up, and he goes, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm like, ugh, <laughs> I never do this. And I right. know everybody says that, right. but I don't actually do this. Right. I'm a huge fan. I love what you do. And he goes, oh, cool. What's your name? And what do you do? And we started talking. He goes, have you ever been to my seminar? And I said, no. And he goes, I only do three domestically a year, but I'm doing one next month in San Jose, and I'd love it if you'd be my VIP guest. And I'm like, get out of here. Why? Really? And he's like, yeah. He's like, here's my secretary's information. He took he took care of me. I went to the, to the thing, the UPW. This yeah. was before the documentary, right? So there was still 5,000 people there. I think now there's like 18,000 people. Yeah. But he, um, I was like side of the stage. And it was incredible. And I just went full out. And it happened at a really crucial time for me because I had another sort of Hollywood dream fall apart. And I was really discouraged and really frustrated and um, heartbroken. And angry. It was a lot of anger. Like I had helped a ton of people and I watched a lot of those people I helped become massively successful. And I'm like, where's mine? Like why why am I helping all these people? And they're all becoming so successful and I can't catch a break. I get so close and it would all fall apart. Is this like on the acting side? No, this was writing at the time. I was writing and trying to sell a TV show and a movie and I got close with a script that we had bids, we had like a bidding war going for a million dollars and then it all fell apart and it all went away, right? And that's the whole... Yeah. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) So close. Uh, You know, and I've sold TV shows that didn't get picked up and all this kind of stuff and I I was so frustrated and so angry and um, I went to Tony's seminar and he did all these incredible things things and at one point he had us reaching out for these moments and it was like he had us do a future moment and I saw two children I saw a girl and a little boy and I never wanted kids in my life Mm -hmm. and uh, I just started to weep uncontrollably and I realized that like I, th- I think I want to have kids, right? And then I, after that, I had this moment where I go, I'm just going to help people. Like, that's my gift. Forget about all the Hollywood stuff. Forget it. Like, just help people. And at the end of your life, your life will have been worthwhile because you will have changed some people's lives along the way. And I came back from that thing and I said to my wife, I, I was silent for like four days, which I'm never silent for four minutes, right? And my wife was like, okay, so she finally got to talk for the first time in our relationship in like six years. And then um, she, and then I finally said, I think I want to have children. And she's like, what? 
Like, like who, she what was, have you done with my husband? Like, what, what happened to Tony Robbins? <laughs> what did Tony do to you? Yeah. And I said, I don't know. I just don't think I want to miss out on this event. You know, I think I want to do this. And so I'm very emotional. And so that's probably going to happen a lot. And, I, and it's taken me a long time to get comfortable with my emotions because I've always been sensitive. My whole childhood, I was sensitive. And that's what made me feel different because I grew up around a bunch of tough guys and I became a tough guy. But a lot of that was just masking my sensitivity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and now I'm just open with it. I don't give a shit. Like if, if people, if I, I can cry in front of a room of 5,000 people and I don't give a shit what people think about me, other people's opinions of me is none of my business. It's my business is being true to myself. And so I got off track. But the point is, is that right after that, I was open. I was like, I'm just going to help people, whatever I'm supposed to do. And two people who didn't know each other said, you need to go do breath work. And I was like, what's breath work? Right. You know? Like I'm- I breathe think, pretty well. Yeah, thanks. I'm, like, I'm breathing. I've been breathing my whole life. Right. I'm going to go pay someone to breathe now. It's like someone telling you to go do walk work. You're yeah. like, you know, I've got that figured out. And now I get these smart-ass remarks from people like, I already know how to breathe, you know. Yeah, and right. like, like, heart, heart, heart. But yeah. this is a different kind of thing. So breath work is an umbrella term, <clears throat> right? It's like saying fitness. Oh, you need to go do fitness, Charlie. Right, yeah. You'd be like, well, what, CrossFit, you know, Peloton? Yeah, yeah. Like, what do I need like to do? Cardio, strength, yeah. So breath power. work can mean a lot of different things. Right. And some people, to some people, people it's kundalini and to some people it's closing your mouth and focusing on a slow nasal breath this type of breath work this style of breath work that i teach it's uh conscious connected breathing or circular breathing it's an intense style of breathing and um you know i went into this room this yoga studio and there was like five people in the room and there was a teacher there and you know, she had like a sheepskin rug or something like that and right. crystals and oils. And I'm from Boston, you know, I was like, <laughs> oh, God, what is this? And you're probably already jaded about the whole L.A. thing. I'm anyway. so jaded about. Listen, I'm like my joke is like, you know, Mercury and retrograde. Stop blaming your life on Mercury and right, retrograde. Your right. life's a mess because you made like, it that no, way. No, you're just an asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's the problem. Exactly. Stop blaming on Mercury and retrograde. <laughs> just get your shit together. You're not right. late because of the moon. So, um... So that was, you know, that was my attitude. And, I, and it was so woo-woo and the music and the whole bit. But I laid down and I did this breathing technique, right? And it was undeniable. It was, yeah. I, I had this experience where I cleared all this stuff out of my nervous system. And I cried in a way I've never cried before. And I felt things I had never felt. And it was undeniable for me. Like, I, it was like the same feeling of like someone cutting me off on the 405 freeway in Los Angeles and wanting to strangle them to death. It was like, it was, I felt that real. Like I felt things, I felt connected to things. And I, and I, and I just, my brain shut off for the first time in my life in a way that I had always tried with drugs and alcohol, but it shut off and I was in my heart and it was profound. And I came home and my wife was like, you look like a different guy. And I'm like, I feel like a different guy. Um, And so I started doing this thing every day. I'd do it on my own and occasionally I would go to these weird classes and it was like, (laughs) I didn't love the classes, but it was, you know, it was what it was. And doing it on my own and people, clients, friends started going, dude, what's going on with you? You're like a different guy. You're not angry. You're calm. You know, you're present. And I was like, uh, at first I didn't want to tell people, but then I was like, I'm doing this weird breathing thing and it really makes me feel good. Uh, and the more I did it, the better I felt. And it was clearing all this weird stuff out of me, right. years of trauma. And I know <clears throat> so much now after eight years of doing it that it was clearing out all the trauma from my childhood and all these things that had happened. 
And, and I just decided to go down this rabbit hole of breathing. Like, and at the time, eight years ago, there wasn't much out there. Like the in, even on the right. internet, like I go down the rabbit hole of the internet, and I'm like, well, this isn't what I'm doing. So I like now there's so much out there. Like you know, there's been an explosion in the world of breathing and breath work. Right? Mm-hmm. Wim Hof is really popular, and a rising yeah. tide floats <clears throat> yeah, all yeah, boats. Yeah. And my technique is different from Wim Hof's technique, but the, the all they're all good. You know, there's right. so many different good techniques, and there's a new book out where the guy is talking that you really need to breathe through the nose. And I agree with that. Like you should always be breathing through the nose unless you're talking or you're doing this specific technique that I like to teach. And I know all these different techniques, but I focus on this one because it, it gives you the fastest results in the shortest amount of time. And that's what people want. Right. We're living in a quick fix society. We're living in a society where like, if you can't show me something now, or if I can't feel it right now, then it's not going to work. Right. And so people are shocked when they come to my class. That's why, you know, before the shutdown, I had 250 people at the Boys and Girls Club here in Bend, a small town. Which I got to do, by the way. You got to do it. Like, I think it was the last class you did before the shutdown. Well, how was your experience? Well, okay, so I'd been going to see a therapist over the last year and a half just with realizing there was stuff I needed to deal with in my life and dealing with things that were happening in my life. And I really respect my therapist and she's been really helpful and she's not, she's not very, she's not all into woo and she's not out there, you know, this is a professional therapist. (laughs) And she was like, and I've heard a lot about your breathwork stuff in the past. And it's always kind of, it's been one of those things, you're like, oh, that sounds interesting. And they're like, oh, that, I missed it. Oh, well, I'll catch it next time. And it just never happened. And she was like, she was like, I think you would really like it. I think you would enjoy the process and everything. I was like, well, if my therapist is recommending I go do this, and I trust my therapist and respect her opinion, like, I'm going to make a point of going to, to do the next one. And I did. And <clears throat> it was... The the first word that pops into my head is profound. Mm. It was within within minutes of starting. It was as if I was having a like a grand mal seizure. I mean, my entire body yeah. was shaking uncontrollably, and I am just weeping uncontrollably. And and through the entire process, it was it was as if the physical it was a physical release of emotional pain. Yeah. And emotional stuff. And I think you, you started you started the session by saying, like, set an intention or set an idea, set an intention for what you're here for. And I started with a with an intention and then it was as if it was as if there was a some part of my brain that was like, Yeah, no, that's not what you actually need. What you need is this. Yeah. And this this mantra, this repetition of a single idea just kept going over and over and over and over and over in my head. Like you don't, you don't have to carry it. You don't have to carry it. You don't have to carry it. Mm. And, and it just, just that having, having that thought and really hearing it for the first time, just allowed just this massive relief, release and relief of, of, you know, emotional pain and, and, and weight that I was carrying and just to be, just to that, have that voice in my head of just saying over and over and over, 
You don't have to carry. It's not like you were safe. It's not like yeah. you weren't. Has it lasted for you like that? Oh, so, I mean, yeah. yeah. No. So, you, I mean, let I was, some, I so was, you let something go that you've been carrying. I was on a good path already. Like yeah. I was doing my work and, and working through that. But as you kind of said, I think at the beginning of that evening, you know, you were like, this is like the, the high speed version of yeah. therapy. What the most common statement from my class is, holy shit, that was like 20 years of therapy without having to <laughs> say a it. word. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's what I hear all the time. And I hear the other thing I hear, the next thing is like, that was the most profound experience I've ever had in my life. Mm -hmm. And which is, you know, my experience over and over and over again right. and watching other people go through it for me is the greatest most fulfilling thing I've ever right. done. I mean, I realized now that it's not about fame or it's not about money. It's about fulfillment. Yes. Because the, the money, the fame, happiness, sadness, joy, all of it, it all comes and goes. But fulfillment, being filled up by helping other people is what sustains me, is what makes me feel good. And so getting to do that class has been the greatest gift I've ever gotten. You know, and getting to pay, take people through that and ha to have 200 people line up and hug me afterwards and tell me I've changed their life. I don't know any better work that I'm going to do on the planet, right? <laughs> what so, more can you ask for than that? Man? Yeah. And I, I'm doing it online, but, you know, I'm to be honest, I'm really missing yeah. in person. I'm missing. Yeah. Oh, that was one of the questions I wanted to ask you was if the if the online thing was as satisfying. It as is. The... Here's what's great about online. A lot of people have trouble letting go in a group setting. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, and I don't think you're like this because you just told me you weren't, but like yeah. some guys are guy guys and they're yeah. like, I can't cry. There's my wife's next to me or some other yeah. guys next to me and I can't let this stuff go and I, they're going to hold it in. Even though I've told them at the beginning <laughs> of the class, don't hold it in. The whole purpose is to let it go. Right. Let it go. Right. Stop carrying it around. Right? You're going to make yourself sick. I mean, these emotions yeah. are what are making yeah. us sick, right? I tell people all the time, if you don't think your emotions, your mental health, your mental state can affect your health, then go find my eyebrows. They're gone. <laughs> and that's directly caused by stress, by emotion. Right. Your emotions, stress, all that kind of stuff will affect your health. Yeah. And so how do you change that? And so the benefit of online is that you're in your home, you're in your safe space, mm -hmm. and nobody can hear you. And if you turn off your camera, I can't even see you, or you can leave it on so I can see you. And so people really feel safe to let go. And then I can see everybody's name on the screen. So I'm like, come on, Charlie, come on, Leia, come on, let's right, go. And right. I'm, I'm coaching people literally by their name through. So people are like, wow, you're in my ear. And they say that they can actually hear me clearer in online than they can oh. in the class because I crank the music and I like it. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And there's all kinds of people making crazy noises and distracting you. So in a way, online is profound. Um, I just miss 200 right. hugs. Yeah. You yeah. know? Yeah. And it's funny because the hugs used to drive me crazy because it'd be like sweaty hippies hugging me with their patchouli <laughs> sweat. And now I'm like, okay, I miss the hugs. It's crazy. Right. Um, and I think there's something, you know, that you get from that. You know, I get, oh, for sure. when I hug my kids, I feel love. Yeah. When somebody hugs me after class and tells me I changed their life, I feel love. Yeah. yeah. What, what else is there? What else are you trying to get? You know, what <laughs> right. else is yeah. there to get? So, um, I get to do this thing, you know, and I'm still doing it and it's fantastic and I'm doing it online and I love doing it. And I've watched it grow in a really profound way. When I started... You know, there was a couple people in the room. 
Right. And I had this realization in my own breathwork session that the te- the people that were teaching it were really woo. And I'm not right. really woo. And I yes. have a voice. And my voice is unique. And it's not for everybody. But I have this sort of <clears throat> East Coast, edgy, funny sense of humor. And I like to make fun of things. And I make fun of myself. Yep. And so I thought, God, if I taught this in a way that was for a guy like me or a housewife or a firefighter or an angry dude, right? Like... I think there'd be 250 people in the room. So I started just teaching and speaking in that way. Like, yeah. I know you think this is wicked weird. I think it's wicked weird too. <laughs> I'm waiting for a younger version of myself to show up in a time machine and be like, what are you doing, dude? You're embarrassing right. us. And so I just thought like, you know, why don't I just teach it with that voice, you know, as yeah. my real self, like right. as, you know, someone like the younger version of me showing up and being like, what is this thing we're doing? And I always get the husband, the angry husband, or some like someone's been dragged there. Or their, thera- <laughs> right. or their therapist told them to come. They're like really pessimistic. And that's right. my guy. Like that's who I want. Yeah. You know, I can't tell you how many therapists send their clients to my classes. It's crazy. They used to, like one person used to have their clients check in with me and I'm like, okay, just go lay down. You're good. <laughs> and so, um, and now I've got therapists and doctors taking my teacher mm-hmm. trainings, which is amazing to me. Um, so yeah, it's grown exponentially because I think of that voice, you know, I've, I've changed yeah. the voice well, of what it is. That was the thing that I appreciated so much about that evening was going in there, not knowing anything about you. Like I didn't really look up your websites or any videos about you or anything online. And I had done, I had other friends who had taken me, kind of dragged me to more like woo centered <laughs> breathwork yeah. experiences that still were they were they were helpful i mean it was still an opportunity to kind of let some stuff go but it's hard to get past the heavy-handed woo aspect of it yeah and to have you up there and you're just like you're like look you may not you may think this is total nonsense like you may think it's bullshit you're like i felt that way when i started just <laughs> just give it a shot like yeah just you're you're in the dark no one can see you everyone's focused on their own stuff just let go just let go and see what happens yeah if you try and tell people the woo if you try and tell people like they're going to find spirituality or they're going to find god then you've just ruined it <laughs> you've just ruined it like right. it's not because like my mind automatically goes shuts down right goes, this like isn't, oh god here we go like, yeah this isn't for me this is stupid right. i'm not yeah. going to find god i'm not going to right. and so i don't tell people what they're going to find and everyone's experience is different and every time you do it it's different right, right? so i don't know what you're going to find i don't know what's going to happen to you people come up to me with the craziest stories you've ever heard oh i would imagine that's i mean it's incredible like yeah. i've I cannot tell you how many times people tell me their dead relatives have come to them in the breath work. It's it's literally, I mean, for people that haven't done this, it is literally just breathing. Yeah. And there's some there's some sound associated with it. But it's not like it's not like you're, you know, doing ayahuasca or something. It's literally it's just breathing. Well, it's but hard it to takes re- you yeah. to this sort it can take you to this place that's transcendent or that's something outside of the day-to-day experience anyway yeah it can put you in an altered state and it's hard to wrap your brain around the fact that something you've been doing your entire life can put you in an altered state right if you do it in a different way 
Right. Right. And so people can't wrap their brain around it. I know how to breathe. I've been breathing since I was born. <laughs> and I've how never is, like left coming, my body yeah, when I was breathing. How is coming to your class going to put me in an altered state? Right. How is coming and laying on the floor going to change my depression, going to change my anxiety, yeah. going to change my state? How is that going to work? Well, you don't know how it's going to work till you do it. Yeah. So the first part is you have to have enough of an open mind, a bit of an open mind to even walk through the door. And you can be like pessimist. I'm, I'm a great. Come through the door and try it or come online and try it and find out yeah. for yourself. Right. That's kind of my thing. It's like, tell me I'm wrong after the class. Right. Because right. it's never happened. Right. And so, you know, <clears throat> you're doing this intense breathing. You're breathing into your sympathetic nervous system in a way that you don't usually do. Like often if you're breathing that intensely, you're doing some intense exercise and your muscles are taking up that oxygen. So right. there's a little bit of a difference there and you're throwing off CO2 and there's some science that's happening behind it. Right. Um, and there's science is starting to study this breath work more and more. There's a study that's happening at John Hopkins um, <laughs> on veterans with PTSD. Because mm -hmm. breath work for me is the best thing I've ever seen with anyone with trauma, with PTSD, with grief. You know, grief is a big one for breath work. Like we all have grief. We all lose people we love. Yeah. At some point or another, we're all going to lose people we love. And a lot of people, they don't know what to do with their grief. And the grief gets stuck in there. It gets stuck in the lungs and it just keeps circulating around. And it, we, 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 we don't know how to deal with grief. And so breathwork is a great tool for grief. It, it's an incredible tool for depression. It's an incredible tool for anxiety. All these different things that everybody's suffering from nowadays. Yeah. Um, so it's, it, for me, it's like it's... It's incredible. In, in one hour, you can change completely how you feel and have a powerful experience. And I've watched thousands of people do it. Yeah. How many, yeah. And you've been doing this eight years. Eight years. How many people would you just a guesstimate would you say you've done this? With? I don't even know. I mean, it's got to be uh, tens of thousands. I mean, because wow. I have, I did a class in Los Angeles that was sold out and then uh, I've been in Bend for a couple of years um, and traveling back and forth between Los Angeles and Bend. And every time I would go to L.A., I would do two classes back to back and they were both sold out. People knocking at the doors, crazy. And then and so and, like how many people is in a class? So like, like that? my class here in Bend is 250 people. <clears throat> okay. And in L.A., the space I was using was like 130. But then I would do two classes. So that's 260. Right. right? Yeah. So uh, and then I would go do these big events for other people like Panash Desai and different other teachers who would have me come and do events and have 500 people in the room. Right. Um, I mean, I had a lot of events scheduled this year where there was going to be a right. thousand people or five thousand yeah. people in the room. <laughs> yeah, for the, for anyone watching, this is we're smack in the middle of phase one, phase two, wherever we are with COVID here in 2020, and we've all been shut down. It's the end of July. It's yeah, the end of July, and yeah, the world has opened up a little bit, but things like that. I mean, that's just not even an option. Yeah, I, there's no phase for 200 people <clears throat> lying in a room together breathing, breathing heavily. Yes. Yeah. And the same thing with my teacher trainings where it's hands-on. I mean, I'm so grateful that I had the foresight to put them online to create online teacher trainings right. a year and a half ago. Um cuz now there are other teachers who are scrambling trying to figure out how to do it via Zoom and I've right. already had them up. I did a two camera shoot with great sound and I built the course out specifically for online. So my teacher trainings online are fantastic and I've got right. people who are doing these all over the world and then they're taking people through sessions via Zoom and they're like I'm changing lives right now. Right. In right. the pandemic they've literally found a new career. Um but to do it in person again, I don't know when that's going to happen. Yeah. And that is uh, that's a struggle for me right now, to be honest. Yeah. 
You know, like I found something that I'm great at, that I love. Yeah. And I don't know if it's ever going to happen again. I'm sure it will at some point, but it might be two years. Right. And, <clears throat> and so that's heartbreaking for me. So what do I do with that? You know, so I'm trying to deal with that in a new way and just and there's a struggle you know like whether yeah. i'm do, using breath work or cold therapy uh or float tank i use a float tank um, right. and sauna and all this different <clears throat> stuff and connecting with people that i love that love me and all these different tools that i have i've really had to go to the well yeah to take yeah. care of myself so one thing that just really struck me when you lead a class, like when you lead a class in person, 250 people, 100 people, five people, I mean, isn't that, is it emotionally exhausting for you? I mean, I would feel like you're trying to sort of, you are very open, I would imagine, spiritually, emotionally, however you want to put it, yeah. to all of those people and all of those emotions and all of the energy coming off of those people. Is that exhausting for you as well or? Yeah. 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 It's exhausting. It's fulfilling. It's, uh, it's, a, it's all of it. You know, it's all of it. I pour my hat, my heart, my hat. Out, right? <laughs> that the Boston, Boston accents come out. I pour my hat out and um, no, so I, I pour my heart out and I get, I open myself up in the class and there's a couple reasons I do that. You can hear me. I'm sure you heard me get very emotional, right? Yeah. At the end and throughout the class and I'm watching, I'm getting emotional because I'm going through it with you. I'm watching you have this emotional ride crying on the floor and I'm allowing that to feed me mm -hmm. and remember what it did for me. And I want to, I want to move you when you're taking the class and I want to be moved at the same time. I have to be moved to move you and I have to open myself up and let myself be seen and heard and be vulnerable in order for you to open yourself up because that makes a big difference. And I think that's one of the few things that really separates me out from other breathwork teachers is I'm not afraid to open myself up and get right. completely vulnerable and cry while I'm teaching my class. And people hear that in my voice when they're breathing and they, that gives them permission to cry and totally go there. And people tell me that all the time, like, oh my God, dude, once I heard you, I just broke open. Right. And so I'm saying all this emotional stuff and I'm getting emotional, I'm going there and I'm, I'm allowing you to, to have that experience for yourself. Right. I was just, I was thinking about when you said that you did two classes back to back. I mean, <laughs> it's I would imagine like after the first one, you're like, oh my God, okay, I got to do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, are, what, you, are you energized by it? Are you drained by it? I'm drained. Yeah. I'm totally wiped out. And those two classes are after two days of teacher training, two nine-hour wow. days of doing teacher training, which is totally exhausting. So that weekend in LA is like the most exhausting thing I do. I'll fly there on a Friday. I'll do a nine-hour teacher training Saturday and nine-hour teacher training Sunday. It's the weekend. It's like a whole training. And then two classes back-to-back -back on Monday night. And then I'm wiped out. And then I fly back to Bend. <laughs> and I miss collapsed. it so much. Yeah. Right. And then it takes me a couple days, you know, but I have a routine, which, you know, yeah. I was starting to get it dialed in pretty well. Right. But yeah, it's an emotionally draining thing. That's why I, I rarely ever do private sessions anymore because I would go through it in a private session. There was a time where I was doing three to four or five private sessions a day and then a right. class and every session would wipe me out. Right. And so I had to learn to manage my energy. I mean, this has been the journey for me, like manage my energy and what, what I can and can't do. You know, yeah. people will 
ask me to do a session all the time, I'm like, sorry, I'll send them to one of my students, you know, right. It's their right. turn, <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it's emotionally draining and at the same time, it's very rewarding and I love it and I feel good, you know, and God, yeah. there's a lot of stuff that comes out in that room too. <clears throat> yeah. You know, people are letting go of years and lifetimes of trauma and issues and demons and whatever, you know? Um, so it's intense. Yeah. Yeah. It was very intense for me. I mean, yeah, I can't imagine being like I was saying, standing up there in front of all of that and sort of seeing that play out and feeling that there was, there was years that I did it where it was just me in the room and I was teaching and working on everybody in the room and going around the room and there'd be 70 people in this one room that I taught at twice a week and it, that was exhausting. I couldn't even sleep afterwards. Uh, now I have students of mine go and work on people around the room and I focus on what I'm saying for the yeah, class. And, yeah. and I'll tell my students, like, go check that person and check that person and work the room. Um, so that's helped tremendously, especially in a big room. Like I really believe in a room full of 200 people, you need a bunch of helpers. Yeah. Right. So I always tell my students, like, if you're going to get over 25 or 30 people, you need a helper. Right. So that's kind of the limit I set it at for them, or I tell them, you know, you're going to want people to help you once you start to get bigger numbers in the room. Or some people may not want to do bigger numbers. It's intense. It's an intense, energetic thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's, you know? that's an understatement. Yeah. 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 A lot of people. But it didn't start that way for me. You know, and I, right. I have to explain this to my students. It started with five people in the room. Yeah. And then it was 10, and then it was 15, then it was 20, then it was 25, then it was 30, then it was 60, then it was 100, then it was 200. You know, so if you start with 100 or 200, you're going to have your hands full. Right, because you, you're being thrown into the deep end. Yeah, you don't right? know all the stuff that you... And I have students that try and... This is, this is an interesting topic. It's like people try to skip the process, right? Right. And I, I want to say it's a younger generation where maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but they want to skip over. Like I've had people email me and they go, I've never done breath work before, but if I take your teacher training, can I then lead my own teacher trainings? And I'm like, I don't, what? Like, <laughs> like how, where in your brain, if you've never even done it and you right. now you want to be the teacher teaching people, that doesn't right. even register. There's like... Yeah. 20 steps in between that, you know? And so there's a lot of people who just want to skip over the process. Like you need to do a ton of one-on-one -on -one sessions and yeah. you see all these different crazy wild things that can happen in a one-on-one -on -one session to recognize it in a room full of people. Oh, that's just happening to that person because I've seen that in a one-on-one -on -one session and that's happening to that person. I've seen that in another one-on-one -on -one yeah. session. But if you start seeing all these things and you've never done the one-on-one -on -one sessions with people, you're not going to know what to do. Right, right. Well, and it strikes me, too, that someone who wants to go from zero to 60, that wants to go from, like, I've never done this before to, if I take the training, can I become a trainer? Yeah. It's like, well, then you're, like, you're just doing that for your ego. Yeah. Like, you're just, you're not doing it because you want to help people. Yeah. You're doing it because you're, like, you want to be Mr. Badass breathwork teacher yeah it's like it's exactly right they want to skip over all the stuff I, I mean i've had people create entire websites with like a course that looks exactly like mine and i'm like what right. are you doing and they're like oh i haven't even done a session yet and i'm like well then you're you've got everything backwards here right like go help a bunch of people right like that's got to be the intention and for me i always come back to that it's always got to be about helping other people yeah 
And then the byproduct is maybe I have 200 people in a room. Maybe people buy my courses. Maybe people whatever <laughs> like what I do. But it always has to be about helping people. And when my intention is in that vein with that attitude and going forward with that, then the results you know, are great. We're yeah. not great. You know what I mean? It's not the, right. re the results don't matter, but people are doing it for a result. They're doing it for the money or they're doing it because they, their ego likes it and they want to be seen as some breathwork yeah. guru or whatever the hell they want to be seen as. I don't know. <laughs> but you, you know, like to me, like I didn't want to be the breathwork guy. Like, right. I see a picture of me standing up there and there's a gong behind me and I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> You know, You're like, like, yo, if, if all my old Boston friends yeah. could see me, you'd well, be like, oh, Well, they do see God. me now, and, they, and they've made fun of me, but whatever. I don't care at this right. point, right? But it's it was never my intention. Like, it was never who I set out to be. Right. I just, it was just undeniable to me that this thing helped me in such profound ways. And how could I not share it? Yeah. How could I not share something so powerful, so beautiful that's changed my life? And I, I've had so many people watch them tell me these incredible stories. I get emails every week from people all over the world telling me how breathwork has changed their life, how my five-day, I have this five-day emotional detox course, how they did that, and it changed their marriage, and it changed this, and it changed their relationship with their kids, and it did, and it's incredible. And I, I get one of these emails, and I'm like, oh God, thank, I'm, I've got purpose. I've got meaning in my life. Right. And so that's what it's about. You know, that does not mean that I don't get irritated, that I'm walking around enlightened, that fucking people on Facebook and Instagram <laughs> yes. with their comments don't annoy the right. living shit out of me right. all the time. Yeah, we were just talking about this before yeah. we started, yeah. right? Of it like, does not mean that I am an enlightened human being. <laughs> I've had people come at me like, well, I'll comment back and they'll go, well, you're a spiritual. You're a spiritual teacher. How can you say that? I go, who said I was a spiritual right. teacher? You're assigning right. that quality to me. I'm sometimes an asshole. Right. Still. Just ask my wife. She will confirm that over and over again. You are again. not an enlightened being. I am not she an enlightened being. That. I'm a guy who learned this thing, who's trying to share it with other people to help right. other people, and I think I'm doing good work in the world, and sometimes I want to punch somebody in the face because <laughs> they deserve it in my mind. Right, right. Right? And Or even worse, you want to get on Facebook and prove that you're right, yes, damn it. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, it's like, it's frustrating because I'm like, people are assigning qualities to me that aren't there. I'm not. You've got the look. You've got like the bald yeah. head and, you know, it's like, but you don't show up in robes. Yeah. You're not there in sandals. And I'm not levitating burning. anywhere. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not an enlightened human. And I hope someday that, you know, I can be good enough to not get angry, to not get caught up. Right. You know, I try to get better, you know, at, at those things. And I, I really am. I've been working on myself for like the idea that um, to not take things personally, you know, right. the four agreements. Right. Right. It's a great, you know, one of the <clears throat> four agreements is don't take anything personally. That's the hardest one for me. Right. Because um, when you attack me personally, I take it personally. <laughs> and what, there's a funny doesn't thing. doesn't matter if it's a 14-year-old in his mother's basement. You're like, you son of a bitch. No, you know what it is? It's other breathwork teachers or uh, other or meditation teachers. Like, like Buddhist meditation guy attacked me this morning. <laughs> that claim to be enlightened. Yeah. And like it's, it's other teachers that get really triggered by my videos and my ads and stuff like that for some reason. What is it about you or your thing that you do that 
sets I, these people up? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I have this video and I'm saying, like, I couldn't meditate. I had the hardest time meditating. And then I found breath work and it, it really helped me. And so I've got meditation teachers who go nuts <laughs> on there. And they're like, well, meditation is this and meditation is that. I'm like, well, okay, cool. I meditate now every day. Right. But why don't you try breath work? I've got, I'm a Buddhist meditation. They won't, they're not open to trying breath work. And I'm like, well, it doesn't sound like you're very open, you know. And so I'll go back and forth with them. <clears throat> and so... It's really other teachers that it, like oftentimes <laughs> get triggered and pissed off. And so what, you know, it's people, when people aren't seeing things as they really are, they're seeing things as they really are. Right. So it's something inside of them, something yeah, yeah, yeah. in me that they're seeing that that's pissing them off. Right. right? That's really something inside of them. And same for me, you know, <laughs> something right. I see that triggers me and like, this is me off and I want to tell somebody something. Right. I have it too. Um, so, like, that idea of, like, not taking anything personally is really, like, you know, this person just called me this or just said I was this. And it's like, well, that's about them. Right. That's, yes. That's not about me. Right. You would like to always be able to remember that. But then there are those times when you're like, <gasps> you've crossed the line. You crossed the line. I will prove that I am right. Yeah. And you will acknowledge me. Yeah. Social media is a funny animal. I mean, it's really great in some ways because I think a lot of people find me through social media. Mm -hmm. They come and do my breath work and it changes their lives. <laughs> and I'm grateful for that. And then in other ways, it really makes us feel bad. You know? Oh, yeah. No, you can social look... media, you mean. Yeah. Like the... Yeah. It makes us feel bad. Especially right now. Right now like, is the worst time it's ever been. It's, it's the worst the it's worst ever been. It's ever been. Yeah. Yes. I mean, because there's so much divisiveness. You know, yeah. I've gotten in terrible arguments with close family members. And I'm like, how do you feel that way about this person? Like, how are you not seeing what I'm seeing? Yeah. Yeah. How are you feeling this way? You're not, we're looking at the same thing, right? And we're not. We're not looking at the same thing. Right, because it's all about what's in here and how you're perceiving that thing. Not even that. It's two different news sources, right? <laughs> like You're going deep with it. I'm not even going that deep. Right. It's two different news sources. And when you look in the two different news sources, you're getting completely different information. Right. Right. I wish yes. there was some just like honest, straightforward, factual news down the middle. It doesn't exist. I was going to say, doesn't try exist. to find that. Yeah. But so getting in arguments with people I love and care about or people, you know, just in general. And I've had people, I've posted things that have triggered people and they've come yeah. on and started insulting me. I got, there was one guy that I went to high school with who literally went off and started threatening me, like wanting to fight me. And I was like, dude, I'm going to be honest with you here. You weren't a tough guy in high school, and I can't imagine the last 35 years of drinking and smoking has made you any tougher. Whereas, you stayed the course. Whereas, I have spent the last 20 years learning mixed martial arts. Right. So I would easily pick you up and drop you on your head and then choke you unconscious. <laughs> and then put gratitude and love in your heart because right. I'm a spiritual teacher. And then invite you to a breath work. Yeah. And so. then I'm going to put gratitude and love. I'm going to fill you up with gratitude and love afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, that's something we were touching on earlier is like jujitsu, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, jujitsu for me is I have that, I think we all have a shadow side or a dark side or an, <clears throat> some, I don't want to say aggressive side, but 
I have a part in me that like gets frustrated and angry and yeah. doesn't know where to go with that. Right. And jujitsu is that outlet for me. And how long how long have you been doing jujitsu now? I've been doing it for twelve years. Twelve years. Yeah, okay, and before wow. that I did Krav Maga for seven years okay. and I did Muay Thai and I've done boxing. So I've done a lot of mixed martial arts. Cool. Jiu-jitsu is okay. my favorite. It's the longest I want to do the most. Uh, and that's been challenging because it's been jujitsu's been shut down in the pandemic, right? I mean, there so, is like, no way to do jujitsu in a socially yeah. distanced safe way yeah you either Just have not. to not do it or say i'm gonna roll the dice yeah right those are your options which for a while i mean we were kind of doing that yeah you know, and... yeah yeah so it's it's been challenging not being able to do jujitsu my 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 passion the thing i love the most <laughs> my outlet to get that out right yeah. i go my wife would be like okay, you're being a jerk, go do jiu-jitsu. Right, yeah. And so I would come back and I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, you're right. right. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and I used to be a trainer, so I know every avenue to work out, but like, that's the thing I love. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it's excruciating for me to now to get on an extra piece of exercise. <laughs> we have a Stairmaster <laughs> in the house, but like. No, don't do that. Yeah, I do know. You ever, do you ever swing kettlebells? Do you ever I've do done kettlebells, okay. yeah. Because that's my other. That's your jam? That's my, definitely my jam. Yeah. yeah. Like last year I got certified as a kettlebell instructor, but I'd been doing it for, I mean, it's a friend of mine in Charleston, South Carolina that got me started uh, 10 years ago, eight, nine, ten years ago. Yeah. And, you know, continued it here in Bend. And, but it's, it's kind of that for me of like, that's the, that's the heart and soul of how I do that as well. But like last year, I was saying 2019 was just a year of, it was a brutal year for me. Mm -hmm. And when all of that kicked in is when I was like, I went right back to jujitsu. I'd been like off and on and out of it for, you know, I've been, kind of half-assing it or even quarter-assing it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I hadn't been there for months and months and months. And I went back because I'm like, I need something that just lets this this thing inside of me out. Yeah. And you're crazy <clears throat> strong because I rolled with you, right? <laughs> and you have a grip from that gripping those kettlebells and lift. I was like, oh, Jesus, this guy's right. crazy strong. Which I used to be, you know, because I was a trainer that went yeah, to jiu-jitsu. Right. Yeah, yeah. And I haven't trained in years, you right. know. So I used to be crazy strong, so I recognized that strength, right? Right. And I was like, okay, I'm going to let him slow cook himself a little bit. Because <laughs> you can't maintain the strength throughout jiu-jitsu. No, no, there's so you no wear, way. That's what, yeah. I learned that from Hicks and Gracie. It's like yeah. it's called the slow cook. So right. when someone is really strong, you kind of let them burn their energy out. Right, right. And then you... Then you wait till they're well, tired. It's like Simca, if you ever roll with Simca. Or of course. It's my nemesis. Like, Simca is just like, he's the most just quiet. And you're like putting all this effort and work into it. And he's like, slow down. Just yeah. relax. And I'm like, that's all I got, man. Like effort. <laughs> like against you, I got no technique that's going to work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's better to be... Um, you know, young and skinny and small, and then yeah. you learn all techniques, and then <clears throat> right. to grow and get strong, like Aaron, like Batman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's ideal, right? Yeah. But I did it the opposite, which is the way you're right. doing it too. Is I was like, <laughs> came in strong, and I was like, just forcing yeah. techniques, and, and then... like this is me after I've tried to ease up, and after I've tried to try less. This is like, me relaxing. This is me. Re I am relaxed, damn it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jujitsu is is this incredible art where you know. It puts you in really un uncomfortable positions and forces you to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great metaphor for life. 
right? And and it and turn uh, towards your problems, not away from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and really, and also to find that open door. Like yeah. I keep going yeah. this way, it's not working. Is there another right. way? Right. Right. Problem solving, right? Because we keep doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Right, that, they say that's one of the definitions of insanity. Right. But I say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, knowing what the result is going to be, and doing it anyway. <laughs> that's when you're really crazy. Well, and, and as a total like white belt newbie in jujitsu, it's like you learn like one or two moves, and you're like, no, I'm going to make this work, no matter what. Yeah. And the person you're rolling with is like, you keep trying that all you want, like. It's, it's never going to work. And what you learn is like, oh, try the thing. That didn't work. Try something else. Maybe you try that as a feint to yeah. lead to something else. And you start to learn that flexibility and just letting something go when it's not letting something go when it's not working. Yeah. And it's cool, too, from a trainer, former trainer perspective. You know, it's your body biomechanics against my body biomechanics. <laughs> right. So, like... If you may be bigger and stronger than me, but if I move over here, you know, I'm going to have more yeah. leverage. And like Heidi, for example, caught me in a triangle, right? Uh -huh. And so, and she's got, you know, she's a 110 pound woman, right? right? Yeah. And so I'm like, my daughter's going to have to learn this yeah. because I want yeah. her to have this skill. I, know. I, I want, tell my daughter's the same thing. Self-defense. Yeah. You have yeah. to have self-defense now, right? Yeah. And so... Jiu-Jitsu is one of the best self-defense martial arts for a smaller person to yep. neutralize a bigger person. Yep. Right? And so I love it. It's fantastic. <clears throat> Unlike my, my older daughter is 12, and she is, the, she, is a, she is a natural born therapist. Like she is, she always wants to you know, manage the situation, and she's very good actually, even at 12, at understanding like what's happening with someone and trying to sort of calm those waters and you know navigate where people are emotionally and stuff <clears throat> and so like she has no natural inclination she has no natural aggression that would draw her to something like jujitsu but i'm like what if you see a smaller kid getting picked on or beaten up by some big kid yeah like you want to have the skills to be able to step in and help and to be able to do that safely and control the situation. Like, that's what this jujitsu will give you those skills. What if you get in a situation where you're fighting for your life? Well, yeah, I didn't want to lay that on a 12-year-old, but, no. you know, but I'm like... No, but, yeah, but that's the Yeah, truth. but that's the other scenario that truly keeps me up at night is, like, what if, yeah, you get into Someone a situation. Someone tries to grab you into a van. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, because I've seen videos of that, like... Yeah. Bear hug you and pick you up and take you into a van. Yeah. And it's terrifying. Yeah. Terrifying. And, you know, we were doing a podcast this morning where this guy dropped this heavy thing where it was like 800,000 children are abducted every year. And you hear that as a parent and you start to go, yeah. oh, your heart starts to be fast and you start to get you're like, <laughs> yeah. hyperventilating. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. And so you want to keep your kids safe. Yeah. And you don't, you don't, you don't want to tell them about all the horrible things that are in the world. You want to keep them safe from that, but at the same time, you want to prepare them. Right. For it's like you don't want to overload them, but you want them to have a some understanding that bad things are out there and yeah. that they can happen. Yeah, and this is one way to protect yourself. <clears throat> My daughter is funny. She's like, um, 
she's she's tough. She loves to climb things. Uh-huh. And we looked out the window, and she was like forty-five feet up in the tree. And we're like, "Oh my God, You're get like, down, uh, get down!" You know, right. and like, my heart just starts beating fast. I'm like, "That's right. great, honey. Can you come yeah. down? Good now? job. Now come down." Yeah, your voice gets real high pitched. Yeah, and and she's just, you know, kids are amazing. She loves bugs, you know, and mm-hmm. she's like, the other day she had five moths in her hands, you know, and like, right. oh, she captured a toad when we were camping and right. like all this cool stuff, and so. It's interesting to see who they're going to become. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm trying to impart my wisdom on them without forcing them, without right. shoving it down their throat, you know, and like <clears throat> you try and steer them in the right direction, but not yeah, oversteer. Yeah, yeah. You know? but not take the wheel. Yeah. Like you were talking about with the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are amazing. And so that's the real challenge today is like, I, I've been home for six months now, seven months. And so I, this is the most time I've spent with my kids since yeah. I've had them. And it's been great. Um, and it's taught me a level of patience that I needed to step yeah. up, you know? Well, and you talk about it, the corrosive influence that social media has on us mm-hmm. as adults. Like, you would think if anyone can handle it, we can. But... It's been this weird, like, with our children being locked away from all their friends, the only way they had to interact with each other is FaceTime or text message or anything on on a screen. Yeah. And I, after a while, I kind of realized, like, okay, but they're, they're, that, that was getting out of control. Like, they just became completely obsessed with screen time. Yeah. And then you have to find that balance of, like, yes, I... That's the only way you can interact with your friends, but there's a lot of bad stuff that this has, an, the, the bad effects that this has on your brain, like I agree. literally on the development of your brain. I think I started to feel really bad because I had, I was spending more time in screens, and I still am, than I ever have in my life, yeah. right? So I, I'm in recovery. I was doing a bunch of recovery meetings online. Thank God they're there, yeah. right? And then doing a podcast online and then having sessions, doing my classes online. Right. Next thing I know, my, my face is in, and then I have to answer emails and I've got to do this and I've got to do all the other stuff I was doing online before that. Right. So now my face is in the screen eight hours a day. Yeah. I don't know how people do that. I don't want my face <clears> on the screen eight hours a day. I moved here to have my face in nature, <laughs> right, right? Right. And so I, I literally had to go, okay, I'm going to limit it to this, this, and this. Like I'm going to schedule it. I'm right. going to manage it. I'm going to use social media and screen time, and I'm not going to let it use me. Yeah. And that's... The God, thing. it's so pervasive. Like, you're I like, know. I'm going to go on to do this one thing on Facebook. Yeah. 45 minutes later, you're, like, scrolling through, like, looking for that hit. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I'm going to just <clears throat> make a post for my class. What did you just say? My mother's a whore? <laughs> <laughs> What? That's it. It's on. (laughs) Hold on. I know I'm the light turn green. (laughs) Right. I got to let this guy know. He's crossed the line. I have to prove I'm right. He crossed the line. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. Right. And to think that our kids are, are... open you know like that is pouring into their brain when they're when they're not even i mean not that you or i are at all prepared to handle that yeah like the the way that you know all of that is designed to do one thing 
keep you looking, yeah. keep you on. It's a it's an addictive mechanism. Yeah, Facebook hired it's designed to be addictive. Facebook hired the people from Las Vegas, <clears throat> right? And so they created algorithms and things that happen on there that you get hits, just like you would right. get hit on a slot machine. It's and like you a Skinner get, box, man. You're yeah, like it's hitting those same neural pathways that cocaine hits. Yeah. The same thing that cocaine hits in your brain. So, it's lighting up those same yeah. things. And so that's why we're on there. We're scrolling. Yeah. It's like, I need another hit. I need another hit. You know, I'm seeing, <laughs> I can't believe I'm going to go down this rabbit hole, but I'm going. I'm seeing, so like I follow the hashtag breathwork on Instagram, right? Right. And I'm seeing now, I saw a girl's ass, you know, like in a thong, right? right. And like. She's average. She's a breathwork teacher, but like she's got her ass on there, and that's what she. Oh, Maybe that she, should be your next move, JP. You think so? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. If that totally gets my followers <laughs> up and gets more people to my class, because that's really what she's doing. She right. says like, "Oh, I'm I'm doing this to show my to feminine. celebrate my body." Yeah, but yeah. The, let's be honest. You're doing it because you want more followers, because you want more likes, because you want whatever, right? <laughs> and so, so now I'm like seeing this is what happened to yoga. Right, because right. yoga was a great like when I first went to LA, there was three yoga studios. <laughs> right now, yoga's every corner. Right, is <laughs> yoga's everywhere, and then Lululemon and all this kind yeah. of stuff, and like there's all these yogis, or it's like that's not what yoga is. Right now, there's beer yoga and goat yoga and all <laughs> yeah, this right. stuff, and I see that happen in the breathwork at some point. Right. right, and yoga. I mean, yoga started as a fundamental spiritual practice like right. it was part of a religious spiritual practice well and it was really now, just to exhaust like, yourself so that you could sit and quiet your mind uh, the whole purpose and of now yoga, it's beer yoga yeah the whole purpose was yoga. to go through all these asanas and to, to take care of your body but to exhaust yourself so you could quiet your mind mm. and 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 you know, to get to that meditative state. And you see, and now you see that happening with breath work? Is a that... little bit. I mean, I'm starting to see it. I right. mean, if you're going to use your body, sex, if you're going to sell sex to sell your breath work courses, because this person was a teacher and actually did teacher certification, so certifying mm -hmm. teachers. And I was, like, trying to find, like, who they studied. Anyways, you know, I was like... You're, you were looking for a purpose. Is that what you're no, saying, I was No, I was scrolling <laughs> through my Instagram, and I have the hashtag breathwork, breathwork. Saved. So anyone who hashtags breathwork, their post comes up. And you're and, like, why is and this? I, and I clicked on that. I saw a butt. I saw yeah. a great female butt. And I'm wired as a man to look at that and yeah, go, oh, right. wow, great female butt. And then like, breathwork? What? <laughs> and so I clicked on it. And she's a breathwork teacher. I've never heard of her. And she certifies people in breathwork. And she's got online breathwork trainings right. like I do. And I'm like, right. oh, God, here we go. Right? Like right. now everybody's jumping on the train. There's nothing I can do to prevent that, but she's using sex to sell that. Right. And I'm like, oh man, like maybe yeah. I'm just jealous because I can't put my butt out there. I don't know. <laughs> uh, or I could. Right, yeah. But nobody's going to want that. <laughs> it's different, has a different effect, I think, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but so I think that, you know, like, you know, like skipping over doing the work. Right, like skipping over right. a couple steps, you know, people are going to use sex to sell yoga right. and use sex to sell, you know, that's been around for well, a long and if, time. And it comes back to exactly what we talked about before. If they're using, if she's using her ass to sell breath work, it's like then you're missing the whole damn point. Right. Which is to help people. Well, and the point is also like, who cares about your body? <clears throat> Like when I first did breathwork, you know, one of the first thoughts in my head was, 
I don't give a shit if I have great abs anymore. Right. Like I had been keeping my abs. I couldn't breathe into my belly right. because my abs had been so tight for so many years as a personal trainer in Gold's Gym. You're trying to And I was like trying tight. to breathe and my back was arching and my right. back was yeah. killing me. And I was like, I don't give a shit if I have a six pack anymore. Right. Who cares? I'm going to let go. I mean, I was a trainer, so I had to keep my business, but I'm like, I don't care. Who cares what my body, I mean, I'm not saying let yourself go to the point where you're out of shape and you're right. unhealthy and you're obese. It's not, I'm, yeah, it's not don't care about your, phys, don't care about your physical health. Right. I'm but, saying don't be body obsessed. Right. Which is what I was for a long time. And like, and then using that, you know, to sell something, right? It's not about that. It's about selling health. It's about selling, feeling yeah. good about yourself or, uh, you know, purpose and fulfillment and all that kind of thing. Finding that purpose, finding that gift. And I, I really feel like, you know, it's off the beam. It's missing the message. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but again, I can't control what other people are going to do, yep. right? And the direction that things are going to go, unfortunately, you know. And I'm, I know there's teachers who hated when I came along and took it out of the woo-woo, right? Right, right? So, like, I think I'm just on the other end of it <laughs> right. now already. <laughs> These teachers were so mad that I was like, you know, I was Bruce Leeing it, right? Like, I took the ancient traditions right. and I took the woo out of it and I don't say this and I don't say that and I made it modernized. I used modern music and I added other elements to it, right? And I added all this different stuff to it and I'm sure that the teachers before me and the pioneers saw that and got irritated by it right so maybe i'm just doing the same thing i don't know they're the ones that are messaging you on facebook now they're yeah like, they are you asshole you can't do this in two weekends of training you have to do it for six months they, they the training used to be i mean there's some people out there that's eight eight thousand dollars in eight months of training and i'm like we're just laying on the floor breathing in a technique here, right? Like, let's not try and milk it. And they try and scare people and make them think it's like super dangerous. And they're like, all this stuff can come up. And then what are you going to do? And like, I've had people say that to me. Well, people have trauma. What do you do when the trauma comes up? I'm like, what do you do? Tell me what you're doing that's different from what I'm doing. Right. You, all you can do is hold the space for that person right. and be there. Well, how do you do that online? I do that online the same way I do that in the room with the person. Ultimately, the body and the person are always going to take care of themselves. Right. They're always going to come back. It's not like you have to give them CPR or something. You're right. Like, it's never just, happened. Yeah. I, I say this all the time. It's like there are zero documented cases of anything bad happening during breathwork, but people freak out, right? Yeah. I worked in the gym for 20 years. I saw people get hurt every day. Someone would step on a treadmill that was running right. and go flying. Drop a people, dumbbell drop, on their foot. Yeah, or, every day. But everybody walks in the gym and signs a liability waiver and has no because we know what the gym is it's a known thing we right. don't know what breath work is and people freak out around breath work so it's just you just the worst thing that can happen is you freak yourself out or you get some weird cramp in your hands or your leg or something like that yeah. oh i got a cramp during breath work oh wow <laughs> oh no are you alive <laughs> but did you die you know <laughs> like you? i've got that t-shirt actually but did you die it's exactly. like a workout t-shirt yeah i mean you're not afraid to go, you know, hiking or scuba diving or whatever, but you're gonna, you're scared to lay on the floor and breathe. Right. I don't want to feel that. I don't want to tap into those emotions. Why? Yeah. What is it you're afraid of? Right. So I tell people, I mean, this is an emotional workout. You're you're gonna take all that time and energy to work on your body, maybe, and not do your emotions. Yeah. Not work on your mental health, your emotional health. <laughs> 
you know, there's a great book. It's called Emotional Intelligence. And basically what statistics show is that the people who have good emotional well-being, who know how to manage their emotions and deal with other people, are more successful than higher intelligence people who don't know how to manage their emotions. So that's a, that, when I read that, I was shocked. I was like, oh, so if I learn how to manage my emotions, I'm going to be more successful in business, in romantic relationships, in all these areas of my life, in friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, of course. Because people don't like to hang out with psychopaths. <laughs> unless they're a psychopath themselves, right? right? Like attracts like, right? <laughs> so, or people don't want to hire people who flip out on them at work. So learning to like deal with your emotions and manage your emotions is going to be the, one of the greatest tools for success in life in every area of your life. Right. And the, distinct, the important distinction there is managing your emotions, not suppressing your emotions, yes. right? Like actually acknowledging and processing your emotions is what you mean by managing them, yes. not being like, no, get down and stop bothering me the you know, old, like that's the old school madman way like mad madman just drink like, more whiskey and push smoke it down. more cigarettes this was my joke i would i had an emotion i push it down i do a shot and punch somebody in the face <laughs> and the emotion goes away i'm good right. no i I'm scream good. at my scream at my secretary yeah like, okay great yeah. that's i'm gonna punch a hole in the wall and then i'm good right yeah no that's the old school way yeah no actually learning how to deal with your emotions finding healthy out- outlets whether it's breath work or jujitsu or therapy or mountain or, biking or, or mountain biking or meditation <coughs> just all, all of it like or try all of that right? try I, I gotta do it all like right. i'm a mess yes. so i have to do everything but like try all the different stuff be open to trying different stuff for yourself because you're not doing when I mean, you might be doing it for your kids that's often good leverage for people yeah but you know it's for it's for yourself and it's for the people you love yeah you know and so however you get the leverage on yourself to do it to, to yeah. try new things you know whatever it takes to be more mentally healthy yeah or to just be open-minded enough to try things to be more mentally <clears throat> or emotionally healthy. intelligent as yeah. the book was saying yeah emotional intelligence now you've also taken this breath work into a whole I don't know maybe it isn't new but we were talking about this too you've developed this a breath work I don't know system or 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 style or technique that helps people deal with autoimmune diseases as well right? yeah so I didn't like the techniques are not techniques that I developed so okay. like I, I, I like to be clear on this. Be- I mean, my style is my style. I kind of developed that modern right. style with modern music and saying the things I say. I kind of combined like a Tony Robbins breathwork kind of thing, <laughs> right? Where I say all this, I say all this motivational stuff to get people to work hard, and I say all this emotional stuff to get people to open up. That's my that's my thing. I kind of okay. created in the class. Um, but the technique, the breathing techniques themselves, breathing has been around for thousands <laughs> of years. We've done it. All of our... <laughs> yeah, it all comes from India. I didn't invent any techniques. Wim Hof didn't invent the technique right. he teaches. He calls it the Wim Hof method, but it's combined with the cold and all that. He didn't invent that technique. Nobody's inventing anything new. It's when people say to me, like, oh, I invented this. Like, you didn't invent breathing techniques. <laughs> They've been around for thousands of years. Right. 
So what Ryan and I did, Ryan is uh, Ryan Clark, um, our right, jiu-jitsu the owner, teacher. The owner of Clark's University of Martial Arts, right? Yeah. He's a great guy. He has MS. He came down with MS or he got MS. And I have alopecia, both autoimmune disorders or, uh, you know. So we decided, we, you know, kind of came up with this idea to do a course of breathwork techniques to, for people to deal with um, the stresses and the challenges that come with having an autoimmune. Okay. Okay. And so we've got a bunch of different things from just a very simple breathing, box breathing technique to a guided meditation, all the way to my super intense breathing, breath work, circular, you know, guided thing. So there's, I think there's like seven or eight techniques in this course to really help people. And it, 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 it helps people. I mean, that's what it is. Because you're talking about what happens too a lot of times with autoimmune is you get diagnosed with an autoimmune and then stress makes it worse. And getting de- mm-hmm. diagnosed is devastating. It's incredibly so it, stressful. Yeah, right. and so it feeds on itself. So just having a tool, like a breathwork tool or a guided meditation tool to deal with that is massive. And so he does these different breathing techniques, and I do different breathing techniques, and we decided to get together and film them and create a course out of it. So that's what it is. It's Breathwork for Autoimmune. That's one of the courses I have on my website. And then I have the five-day emotional detox, which mm-hmm. is literally to like just clear out a lifetime of stuff. Right. Uh, those were, that's kind of a combination of all the workshops I used to do in Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, and then I have the teacher trainings that I do. I have two different teacher trainings. Um, basics and one-on-one and then how to lead couples and groups and so and I also offer those in like a combination package where you can do the five-day detox and the two teacher trainings together and so I have all those courses online for people and thank god I do you know because it's literally what's supporting my family right now and it's it's giving people things to do in this lockdown like I've had so many people like this is a perfect time for me to do this and then they do it and they're like oh my god I'm so grateful I did this because it really helped me to get through everything right yeah I would imagine the what people with autoimmune diseases share in common with everybody in the lockdown right now is this feeling of helplessness yeah. Like there is, I have no tools that can help me cope or deal or improve my situation. I, th- I think and, there's an extra added level of fear when you have right. an autoimmune and there's a, a, a deadly pandemic or virus out there. And you're like, because it hit me right in the beginning. I went, you know, my autoimmune system is not, a, right. not great. I've strengthened it tremendously. Uh, and I went, oh my God, well, I, you know, my immune system is not historically great and it actually is really good now because i've worked on it for a long time but i immediately felt that fear and that thought came in and so i can only imagine what other people with autoimmune and different uh, health issues are feeling they must be filled with fear and to be filled with fear is horrible and that just does a number on your immune system right because fear is what is fear you know stress stress is a fancy word for fear it really is. It's a more acceptable word for fear. I'm stressed about my kid right now. Well, what you're really saying is I'm worried. I'm fearful about my right, kid. Right. And so stress is just a fancy word for fear. And so everyone is feeling that fear. I'm like, well, what if someone I love gets this? What if I get it? You know, all this kind of stuff. And so what, what, what do you want to do about that? And so breath work clears out that fear. It clears out that stress. It clears out that worry, that concern. And it makes you go like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I, you have a 100% success rate in getting through your difficult times in your life. <laughs> right. But you've forgotten that. 
right? You've you gotten, made it this far, right? You've made it through all the difficult times in your life. Right. And even when you don't make it through, you it won't matter. Because <laughs> you wouldn't you won't even know about it. You'll be gone. <laughs> right? <laughs> right. So I mean, listen, clearing out that fear and just getting centered in this moment is everything is fine. Because that's that's part of the deal. Like depression often is about being stuck in the past, right? And anxiety is about being way out in the future, right, worrying right. about the future. Right here in this moment where you and I are just talking, focused on each other, everything is fine. Right. But people get stuck in the past or they get in their time machine and they're worrying about the future all the time and they let that brain take over. The brain is this incredible tool and its job is to protect us. But sometimes it gets so overactive that it makes you worry about everything. Right. If we listen to our brain all the time, we'd never leave the house. <laughs> right. Well, that's literally what we did for three months of this yeah. year was never leave the house. And now it's like that fear loop has been magnified by actual reality. Yeah. Yeah. So. Don't leave your house. Yeah. Don't leave your house. Right. And so they tapped into that part of our brain that says, don't leave your house. Because your, your brain's job is to protect you from everything out there. Saber-toothed tigers that aren't around anymore, right, yeah. right? And all these kind of things. And some of that stuff is still there. And we've created some of the stuff too. Yeah. But if we listen to that thing all the time, I tell people this in breath work because when you're doing the breath work, you want to stop. It'll turn off that frontal lobe. It's called transient hyperfrontality. It turns off that ego, that critic that we all suffer from. It's an mm. incredible feeling. It's the thing that I felt the first time I did it. Um, but your brain doesn't want you to turn it off because it thinks it needs to protect you. Right. So it will tell you something's wrong. You're having a stroke, <clears throat> Charlie. Don't do this. Right. You're gonna die. Don't do it. You know, like this is weird. I don't like it. Fix your blanket. Do a stretch. It keeps giving you jobs. It keeps giving you tasks to do to stay on. Right. To protect you. Right, right. And it's an incredible tool, but it's a, you know, hundreds of thousand year old machine, right, that doesn't give a shit about your happiness. <laughs> right. Just wants to keep you alive. Yeah, like, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Your, your job is your happiness. Your brain's job is to protect you. Right. <laughs> and so you have to make the decisions between those two things. <laughs> All right. So I have a question for you. So as we've had this whole conversation... I've had the, in the back of my mind a cousin of mine who is an incredibly smart guy. Very, perhaps you could describe him as cynical. You know, he's he's an attorney. Like he is always dismissive of anything that hints at all towards woo or any you yeah. know anything like that. Like what would? And I'm sure you've encountered hundreds, thousands of people like that. What's your what's your answer to them, or what's your response to when they're they roll their eyes and they're like, like this whole breathwork thing? Well, that's just a protective mechanism. Yeah, he's just trying to protect himself, right? He got really good at arguing. Yes, to protect himself, and so he'll argue away having an open mind and trying a new experience to protect himself. But ultimately, he's he's only hurting himself. He's shutting himself off from all the stuff that's available to them. Right. Because there is so much more gratitude, so much more love available to us if we can have an open mind and we can try different things. But something most likely happened along the way and he decided that he was gonna protect himself in some way. And that gets reinforced and reinforced because we have this thing, it's called the reticulator activating system, right? And so what it does is it finds things to make us right. The brain finds things like, if you buy a black truck, <laughs> 
right? You're going to see that black truck everywhere. Right, right, and so yeah. if somebody screws you over, you're going to see people, you're going to, you're going to seek out people <clears throat> to screw you over and make that or right. You're going to see every situation as someone trying to... You're going to create screw. it. Yeah. You're going to create it because your brain has to be right. It has to create, it, it's, it's job, it's trying to be right all the time. It's trying to create that scenario. So he's creating scenarios. I mean, he, he, the thing I love about breathwork is like even the most cynical guy like that, if they're like, I'm coming and like, even if he holds back, if he actually does it full out, he's going to crack open. Right. And so I love that. You know, I would love <clears throat> to get someone in my class like that. And I would say to him, like, what do you have to lose? Yeah. What are you going to lose by spending, you know, 45 minutes in the class doing this, trying this, right? <laughs> right. And like you, you could gain so much. All you're doing is breathing. Yeah. Like, go for it. Yeah. Try it and see what happens. If you can have just a little bit of an open mind, you might just have the most profound experience you've ever had in your life. Yeah. Right? Because you're only shorting yourself, ultimately. And people who are like that, that's all they're doing is they're protecting themselves. They're building up layers, and they're reinforcing their layers to be right, to protect themselves. Because they're scared. Yeah. Because they don't want to be hurt. That's it. It's simple as that. They don't want to be hurt. They don't want to be let down. They don't want to be disappointed. I've been hurt before. I've been disappointed. I've been heartbroken. I've been let down. So I don't want to feel that again. Right. And so what they've done is they've created all these layers and what breathwork is amazing at doing is stripping away the layers i mean that's why i've been i've always been sensitive but now i've been able to tap into my vulnerability in a way that i've never been able to tap into it because i want to feel that yeah i don't want the layers of protection and it's a little scary because with that feeling that gratitude feeling that love for my children and all the beauty that's in the world also comes the opposite Right? right, feeling the anger, feeling the frustration, <clears throat> feeling the disappointment. You can't just feel the love and the gratitude and then block off the disappointment and the frustration and the anger. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to feel, you're going to feel it all. Well, and right in line with that, one of the things I've realized over the last year and a half is that in order to be, in order to have the chance to feel the greatest joy and the greatest love in the world. You also have to be open to pain yeah. and to suffering. Yeah. And it's worth it. <laughs> yeah. It's worth it to risk pain and suffering. It's worth it to risk being hurt emotionally if you also have the opportunity of feeling profound love, like real deep love. Yeah. It's worth it. It's totally worth it, but... You know, trying to convince people that it's worth it is a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? And that goes back to what we were saying earlier. It's like you can't want it for other people more than they want it for themselves. Right. If that's who he wants to be, that's who he wants to be. Yeah. I don't see people come to my classes until, most people, not everyone, until they're in a lot of emotional pain. I've had people who have known that I've been teaching breathwork for eight years, close friends, close family members. And until they're in an, I'm like, they'll come when they're ready. When right. they're in a, when, they, when, when they're ready means they're in a lot of pain yeah. and they're desperate. And then they'll try it. Unfortunately, that's the touchstone for growth. That's the catalyst for growth is being in a lot of pain for most people. Yeah. They're just not willing to, yeah. to try things, to be open-minded, to go and do new things until they're in a lot of pain. Until they realize, okay, what I'm doing is no longer working. 
I'm unhappy. I'm miserable. Yeah. I, my best ideas have led me to this place. Maybe I should go try breath work. Maybe I should go try right. therapy. Maybe I should go try whatever. When the, when the pain of staying where they are hurts more than the pain of actually confronting their, the obstacle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, look, as we kind of wrap things up, it sounds like you have, uh, where would you, where would you point people to if they want to follow you, if they want to find out more about breathwork, if they want to try sure. an online course, it sounds like now all of that's available online. It's yeah, all so. online. It was online before and now it's really online. <laughs> now it's really uh, only online. There's a website, Breathe with JP, B-R-E-A-T-H-E with JP dot com. That's my main website. And that will take you to my uh, course website, which is another website because that's just the way the internet yeah. works, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's all, you find everything off the main website. I'm also on Instagram. I'm on Facebook too. Uh, you know, I don't love it, but I'm on there. Right. Um, yeah. But I'm on Instagram more and um, and my website. And you can always email me at breathewithjp at gmail.com. You okay. know, and at some point someone will get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know, there's a lot don't of Don't expect that, an immediate response. Is yeah. that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, listen, I want to live my life. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, have an, I had an assistant and I got to get a new assistant, but like, you know, um, did your assistant get sick of dealing with all the Facebook haters and yeah, social she, media? I hired her to deal with all the stuff, and then she got sick of the stuff. <laughs> I'm like, it's not even your stuff. Like, you're not even emotionally right. invested in it. And she's like, I can't take these people anymore. <laughs> there's a lot of great, and there's a lot of, you know, funny yeah. stuff on there. So um, I'm back dealing with it, and so okay. I try to take it in small doses and do all that stuff. And some some people uh i have an assistant who answers my emails um and so it's good i mean it's a good life i'm happy and and i want to help people uh as best i can but you know i tell people like you have to be invested too you know you there has to be you have to show up and do the work and there has to be some kind of emotional investment and, and oftentimes financial investment in some way. Like I'm not looking, I'm not like one of these guys is like, oh, give, sign over your house to me. Like you can do a class for like 20 bucks, you know, <clears throat> right. but like I've had people ask for for free and I've given it to people for free in the past. And you know what happens when you give it to people for free? They don't do it. Yeah. Because as soon as it gets hard, as soon as it gets uncomfortable, they stop. There's no investment. I taught for this at the studio for years, and there was always like two or three people in the room who gave up a couple minutes in when it got hard, when it got uncomfortable. And I would go and ask, did they come on a free pass? Always. If there's no investment, people quit. And it's like, if you pay, and I don't charge a lot of money, but if you paid someone $500 for a session, you're going to listen to what that person says. <laughs> right. Right. So the more invested you are, the more you're going to listen. If people, if you don't pay, you don't pay attention, I like right. to say. So, you know, there's an exchange that takes place, but there, you know, if you're financially, you know, hurting, I'll give people a discount or sometimes I'll give a free class if I have to, whatever it takes, you know, I want people to get help, but I hate to give the free class because then they don't do it. Right. They close the computer. And so it's like, I'm almost doing, I saw a lot of people at the start of this thing giving free breath work away. And I was like, that's kind of a mistake. Only because people are going to start to do it and then go, oh, this is hard. This is uncomfortable and stop. And then go breath work isn't for me. So we just lost that person there right. that we could have helped. Again, that's, you know, my opinion, my experience, whatever. Right. 
but you can find me at breathewithjp.com. Breathe with JP, B-R-E-A-T-H-E. Yes. Not breath with JP. Yeah, a lot of people forget the E. Right. Exactly. Got it. Okay. Well, thanks for having me. JP, man, thanks for being on. I mean, this I've had a blast in this conversation. Me too. So. It's been really good. It's been fun. Thanks for joining us. The Call to Create with host Charlie Teal is presented by Ghost Village Films and captured at Open Space Event Studio in Bend, Oregon. If you like what you hear, subscribe, rate, and review on YouTube, iTunes, or your favorite listening platform. 